Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are here to pay tribute to you. We're here today to remember the life of our dearly loved friend, you. You was born on their birth date, and you died after the number of days that God had ordained for you had passed. After being diagnosed with a terminal disease, our dear friend, you, was given one month to live. This diagnosis was commemorated with an extremely attractive wristband that you wore proudly. Look at my awesome wristband, you would often say. You died peacefully in their sleep during one of Pastor John's sermons. You loved his or her favorite books and television shows and enjoyed various things in life that made you happy. You will be remembered as someone who, always, who was always there when they were present and always filled a room with your mass. You is survived by all the loved ones that you left behind. You also left behind all the things they had bought and amassed throughout you's life. These things will now be mocked by used loved ones, given to the goodwill, or fought over by family members. You attended Living Spring Christian Fellowship at least once and was somewhat involved there on a frequent or sporadic basis. In lieu of flowers, uh, you requested that, to send money to Living Spring. We will all miss you terribly. <laughs> Now, some of you right now are going, you know, don't have my funeral at Living Spring, okay? <laughs> I, okay? So here's the deal. We're, we're wrapping up our six-week series called One Month to Live, and uh, guess what? Uh, the month is up, and you're in this coffin right now, and that's why we have it here. If you're like me and you go to a funeral, I'm kind of sick, but sometimes I'm sitting there and I start thinking about my own funeral and what kind of music would I have there and... You know, would they need a bigger place, uh, you know, with all the people who want, you know, like a stadium uh, to, mourn, to mourn my loss? Or, uh, you know, I think about what would they say? Could I even find anyone to say anything about me? You know, what, you know, w- what would the slideshow look like? Because every, every uh, uh, funeral has a slideshow. You know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, and you get kind of connected to, I mean, it, it could be just me, but... Uh, you kind of just like sit there going, wow, someday I'm going to die. And what we've been trying to do for the last five weeks is not be depressing or um, uh, be real morbid or anything. Of course, now we are, but we didn't before. Uh, But the idea was to connect us with this idea that if we had one month to live, what would we change? Are there relationships that we'd make right? Are, Are there things that used to bother us that we just go, you know what, I got, you know, two more weeks left. What do I really care? If, if we are finding things that we could change about our lives, can we tap into that? And then after the 30 days, if God gives us even uh, more time to live, can we begin to get into some habits and practice those after the one month to live? Right? And so this morning, what I want us to get connected to, and uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, is uh, get connected with your death. That someday you will be uh, either in something... Mine probably won't be this expensive. Um, if you're wondering where we got it, a mortuary brought it by, and there's no, nobody's inside so, that I know of. Uh, I couldn't get the top open, um, but mine will probably be like an urn or something. I'd like to have my ashes spread, well, here, actually, yeah, but I, that's my own thing. 
but it's kind of morbid. You get connected with it. So look, here's what happened. For first, uh, the first week of this series, and for every week after that, we've been going over the same verse, John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And, and, and what we've been getting connected to is that when we try to live our lives outside of the way God designed for us, outside of the way God planned for us, it is going to rob us of the life uh, we were meant to live. And this isn't a, a happy-go-lucky, your best day ever uh, type of idea. This is that we were designed to live in relationship with God. And when we, when we live in sin or we live outside of that relationship, we are robbing ourselves of what God has for us. But Jesus came that that relationship would be restored And that the abundant life, this life of purpose, and this life where we can actually make decisions here on earth that would affect eternity, that true life in Christ would be lived abundantly. And so we've been talking about this every week, about how how can we remove the things in our lives that would rob us, that would kill, that that would destroy so if you're, if you're struggling with bitterness and you had one month to live, you go, you know what, what is it going to do for me to be bitter? Maybe you'd enter into forgiveness or whatever. Now that we have more than 30 days to live, can we take that into the, re- the remainder? And so just for review, uh, we went over four different principles. The first one was that we'd live passionately. And, and we asked ourselves the question, what if we did something drastic? And we we looked at our lives and we said, look, every day I go to work, every day the the house is the same, the family's the same, relationships are the same. What if I did something drastic? What if I actually forgave my family for what they did to me? What if I actually forgave my husband, forgave my wife? What if I actually did relationships differently? What if I actually shocked the world and I went next door and got to know my neighbor? What if I did something drastic? Instead of the same thing, day in, day out, mundane, only getting to a certain place in our spiritual lives and then just staying there. What if we broke out of that mold? That's the question we were asking ourselves that week. And then the next week was uh, love completely. And we basically said the statement that uh, you can act without love, but you cannot love without action. And so we began to look at our lives that week and we thought, is there any way I can show love better than I'm doing it now? Love isn't a feeling. We don't, it's not butterflies and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's how do we serve? And we went through kind of the love chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians, and it, it talks about all the things that love does. And uh, I was talking to Nate uh, the week after that, and he was saying, because uh, we were talking about servant, being a servant to your spouse, and he said, what I tried to do was uh, think of all the things in my house that I'd hire a servant to do, and that's what I'd do for my wife. And it was kind of like the washing of feet, which the servant would do. So he was looking at those things. I thought that was really neat. So we talked about loving completely. How can we serve each other? How can we serve our neighbor? How can we serve our coworker? That one that's super, super annoying, that clicks the pen in the cubicle, and you're trying to work, and it's like, click, 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 and you're like, knock it off, right? That guy. How do we, how do we serve him? And then we talked about... Um, Learning humbly, okay? And uh, we, we said, I forgot, sorry. Uh, we talked about learning humbly. And what we said was, true humility is seeing God for who he is. And when you look at the scripture, and where the scripture says, humble yourself, or um, this guy didn't humble himself, anytime you see humility, you see the presence of God there. So it says, humble yourself, therefore, what? 
under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you at the proper time. Uh, uh, God said to, about Pharaoh, how long will he refuse to humble himself before me? That when we see God for who he is, how holy he is, how righteous he is, how powerful he is, we see his attributes, we see his nature, we can't help but humble ourselves. And we talked about Isaiah, how he went before God and, and he said, oh, I'm undone. Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And then we saw how Isaiah got restored in that as the burning coal of God's righteousness touched his lips and he was able to be used by God. And then the last thing we talked about was leaving boldly. And we talked about on this earth when we make decisions, these aren't sacrifices for God. They're investments into an eternal future. That when we die, everyone in here will die and everyone will give an account to God for how we spent our life. Outside of salvation, you will give an account for how you, how you lived your life. And that's where we're going to pick up uh, today. Because Paul basically writes his own eulogy to Timothy in, second, in the book 2 Timothy. The, the, the way the Bible is written, they use really um, creative titles. And so uh, the first letter that he wrote to Timothy is called 1 Timothy, and the second letter he wrote to Timothy is called 2 Timothy. So uh, it, it's, it's the scholars way back in the day were really thinking. So, uh, but it makes it easy. But here's the deal with Timothy. Timothy was a partner of Paul. Paul was kind of um, helping train Timothy. And, and Timothy worked at a church in Ephesus, a few years back, we went through the book of Ephesians. That was a letter written to that church. Paul had planted that church, and that church was so effective, it actually made an impact on the economy of, of the area it was in. I mean, imagine if Living Spring was so effective, that we, uh, so effective, we actually affected the economy of the neighborhood we're in. That would be fantastic. Well, that's what Paul did. Unfortunately, he affected it negatively because they stopped worshiping idols, and that was their main trade. And so a lot of things happened in that church and it began to become really unhealthy and they started to get into some doctrinal things and Paul had already left and in 1 Timothy he was saying, dude, you gotta take care of this church in Ephesians and in 2 Timothy, Paul understands he's at the end of his life and he's doing what we would all do if we knew we just had a little bit of time left. We'd gather our loved ones and, we, and we'd, we'd implore them. We'd, we'd give them kind of the last thing we could say to them. You know, like my house, it would be, Listen to your mom. You know, no matter what she says, listen to her. You know, and if she starts dating again, be as bad as you possibly. No, I'm kidding. Right? I'm, I'm just playing. No, I, I do, you know, you say, you know, do your chores. You know, I'd sit down with my son. I'd talk to him about how to be a man and how to take responsibility for your actions and, and, and how to treat a woman with respect and all this kind of stuff. We'd, we'd sit down and we'd go there and I'd bring the family together. I'd say, man, you guys got to love each other. There's, I don't have much time left. But these are the things that are important. Wouldn't you do that? I'd do that. If I knew that just in a few weeks I was, I'd be right in here, I'd pull people together. And this is what Paul's doing. And what he does is he, um, and, and you should read 2 Timothy this week with, the, with those eyes because it'll really shed some light on the book. I'm just going to read, it won't be up here, but I'm just going to read some of the things that are on Paul's heart. And we'll get, this will apply to you in a minute. 
He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord in, in, in chapter one. Also in chapter one, he says, retain the standard of sound words. In other words, keep your doctrine in order. In chapter two, he says, be strong in the grace of Christ. And also in chapter two, he says, the things which you have heard from me, uh, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach other also. In other words, he's saying, let's get a good leadership development plan in place so that the church can continue uh, raising up leaders. He says, uh, uh, remind them, the church, of all these things. In verse 15 of chapter 2, be diligent to present yourself a, uh, as a workman approved who does not need to be ashamed. He says in verse 16, avoid worldly and empty chatter. In verse 22, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness. In verse 24 of chapter 2, don't be quarrelsome but kind, able to teach, patient when wronged. And then in verse three, um, chapter 3, he starts off by going, look, difficult times are going to come. And then in verse 14, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. And I, I love the way ver, uh, chapter 4 starts. It's like he's just, he's just blubbering. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Or reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And then he gets to verse 5 in chapter 4. And we're going to sit here for a little bit. And he says this, he's, he's had all this time to just, he's just going on, Timothy, you, you got to, one part in the very beginning, he says, you got to rekindle that gift that's been in you. I mean, you can just sense his love for the church in Ephesus. And he knows, I'm going to be dead, and I, I can't do anything else, Timothy. I'm entrusting it to you. You got to do this stuff. And in verse 5, he says this, be sober in all things. That's not drinking sober, oh, although he would have said that as well. Uh, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. He's like going, man, this is it. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. And then he says these next three words. It's kind of just like the, the, the thing that, that, he, he, that he really wants to get across and the thing I want you to get this morning, having gone through six weeks of one month to live. Do the math. I don't know why it went six weeks, but uh, one month to live. He says three words after that. And these three words, if I were being put into this casket right now and they were going to say, any last words, John? I would say these three words to this church today. Fulfill your ministry. That's what he says to Timothy. He doesn't say anything about the church. He doesn't say anything about, man, you know what? And when, when the church gets to be 400, plant another church. He says, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And this morning, what I want us to do is I, I want us to kind of as creepy and as morbid as it is, if you were here now, could you, could you say, I've fulfilled my ministry. I've done it. I completed what the Lord had me to complete. Or, or do you just go, I don't know, what minute? I don't even know I have a ministry. Well, the 201 class, start, no, uh, it, we're, we're going to be talking about that in the 201 class. I'm more than happy to have you attend that. Um, but, you might not even know what your ministry is. See, but there's a satisfaction. There's a, there's a longing to have that relationship with God that's so rich and so vibrant that we can get to the end of our life and we can say, I did it. I fulfilled my ministry. Because right after this verse, when he says, 
He says, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He sa- he's giving him a reason why you should do that in the next verse. It says, for, or because, or the reason I'm writing this is, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. What Paul does here is he uh, uses some Jewish imagery. Um, This would, uh, any Jew who uh, was reading this letter would know what a drink offering is. It's in Numbers chapter 15, and basically the altar would be heated up, And back in the Old Testament, the way you got rid of your sin was to bring a sacrifice to the altar, an animal, a live animal that was sacrificed on the altar that would essentially pay for your sins. We don't do that now because we had Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, hung on a cross for our sin. And so that's been paid for. But in the Old Testament... Uh, there was an altar and the, the, the animal would go on it and then there'd be a bread, a flour mix with oil and that would go on top and that, it would smell like a really great barbecue, actually. And, and you're like, well, isn't that, you know, no, it's, it's a sweet aroma that would go to the Lord. And at the final thing they'd put on is this glass of, uh, a, a thing of wine and they'd throw it on the altar and it would just vaporize because it was so hot. And this Paul has for his life. And guys, if we can connect to this, that our life is just a vapor, that it's just but a breath, I think it's really going to help us as we move forward. Because guess what? You got a second chance. I didn't want to tell you, but you're actually not dead this morning. Okay, you get it. You get to leave here as a chance. And so Paul says, listen, I may be the great apostle Paul. I might be writing letters. I might be doing all this stuff. But, but my life is just, a, is just a drink offering before the Lord. And so he uses that uh, imagery. And he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Now, um, he, it's really cool because in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, if, but if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. It was in the hypothetical. Now he's writing, I am. He says, I am, all, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And then he goes on, he says, and the time has come for my departure. Not my death, not my, the end has come, my departure. You ever go to a, uh, 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 an airport and you look at the thing and you're trying to find your flight? They have arrivals. Those are babies coming into the world. And they have departures. And those are people heading out, right? It's a, it's a great Greek word that means a lot of things. But for us today, it would be like, I, it's time for my departure. It, God ordained the time, and now it's time for my departure. And he uses the word time, not chronos, not like, you know, and, and I'll be gone in four, three, two, one, you know. No, it's, it's my, my era is up. My season is done. I don't have much more time. And this word departure is so sweet. It's used four ways. In, in the Greek language, this word for, for departure is used four ways. <laughs> four ways. <laughs> anyway, okay. The first is, it's a, a, loose, a, um, a loosening of the yoke of an animal. So if Paul, you have this imagery of Paul knowing he's, his whole life has been in service to the Lord, plowing God's field, advancing God's kingdom, and he knows that the Lord is now taking that off. And he's looking to put it on Timothy. 
And so there's that beautiful uh, imagery. The other thing it has is uh, it was used when nomads would remove the spikes of their tent. And Paul was a tent maker, so he was very familiar with this word. And the idea was, and, and Paul even wrote about this in one of, the, um, uh, in one of his letters, where he says, uh, I, I think it was in Corinthians, he says, um, uh, we have this earthly tent, right? And, and soon we're going to hit a heavenly dwelling. And so this idea that my departure, I'm, I'm packing up the tent and I'm moving on. It's also about um, uh, unloosening the ropes on a ship to let it set sail. Because see, here, here's the thing that Paul understands. Our life doesn't end. We just go to another destination. You know, when, when you get on the plane, you're going somewhere. You're, you, there's a destination. Every single one of us within the sound of my voice has a destination. It's just up to us to figure out which destination we're going to, either heaven or hell. With a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's made it possible that we can end up taking a trip to heaven, that it's a departure, he says. And then he goes on and he says three things that are really important. He says, I've fought the good fight. He understood that this is a struggle, this Christian life, this idea of living for eternity, not just for here. He knows it's a struggle, which is very encouraging. When you accept Jesus, it's not all pancakes. <laughs> we had pancakes. Okay. All right? it's not, everything doesn't just work out. All of a sudden, your marriage doesn't become instantly better, but you have the tools you need to make your marriage better. Right? Your finances don't just, you don't just get a thing and it's like, wow, no more debt? You're kidding me. But you have the tools and now the Holy Spirit to be able to help you make wise financial decisions. Okay? He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. If you look at the uh, Greek, and again, there's no... It's not trying to be fancy or anything, but, but it's really cool because it's, it essentially says the fight I have fought, the race I have finished, the faith I have kept. Those are the, those are the focal points. The fight, I fought it. The race, I finished it. The faith, I kept it. And that is our goal. That is our goal. God has given you a ministry You might not know what it is. You might need to go before him for the next several days and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? But he has a course that has been set out for you. Paul said, I don't run without purpose. I don't box as beating the air, but I buffet my body. I make it my slave. There's a course set out. I fix my eyes on Jesus at the end, the author and the perfecter of my faith, and I run this course. God has set a course for your life. And it's not just to be happy. It's to glorify And as we saw last week, he has given us things to do that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And in the next, um, when we're done with this series this week, and then we have men's retreat uh, next, next week. And men, you know what? If, you, if you're dodging that bullet, trying not to go to men's retreat, I'm speaking there, I would be so sad. No, just go. It's 150 bucks. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's going to be great up in Oakland. And the beds, they have all, no new beds. They're all the same, but I just <laughs> wanted to say something, you know. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to, to speaking up there. But uh, now I've lost my train of thought, okay? I started talking about men's retreat. 
Thank you. Okay, so the, the idea is that God has given you a purpose. God has given you a ministry, something to fulfill. So we have men's retreat. Then after that, we're going to do a four-week series on our why is Living Spring even here, our mission statement, to reach our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And on the fourth week, we're going to have sign-ups for ministry, children's ministry, junior high, high school, ushers, greeters, all that kind of stuff. You got four weeks to figure out what your ministry is. Because <laughs> then it's, you're like, okay, four, when shouldn't I be here? Okay, in four weeks, right? It's going to be a ministry fair. It's going to be awesome. But the thing is, God has set this course for your life. God has set this out. And what he's saying to you and he's saying to me, fulfill your ministry. Paul is speaking to us. The Christian life is not to just come to church every Sunday, listen to a message, feel guilty, try to change, manage your sin during the week, and then come back again the next week. It's so much more than that. It's so much more fulfilling than that. It's so much more risky than that. It's so much more dangerous than that. It's a fight. It's a race. It's faith. And Paul's telling Timothy, but I don't have that much longer. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Do it. And here's what I I, I want us to get this morning. He goes on, uh, Paul goes on, and um, it's kind of cool because he's, again, you need to read 2 Timothy. It's really great. But then he's like, it's it's getting to be wintertime at the time he wrote this. And so he says, hey, I need the cloak I left in Troas, <laughs> okay? So he like wants this, and I need some parchments to read because he's in jail and he doesn't have anything to read. I mean, you just get this intimate uh, relationship with Paul. You see him like someone who's in prison just going, it's coming. You, you know, the, he was a Roman citizen, so they didn't crucify Roman citizens. They cut off their head. That's most likely how Paul, Paul died. He knew the time was up. Can we connect just this morning with our own mortality, as creepy and as morbid as it is? Can we pretend, I guess, that this is our funeral and we're in the casket? And everyone's sitting and they're going, man, they're coming up, they're reading the eulogy, they're showing the slideshow. Did you fulfill your ministry? Did you even find out you had a ministry? 